Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. Well, guess what? It's a brand new week with the same old question. What's next? Huh? Isn't that the same old question? Well, what's next? And the answer is the same old one. I don't have a clue. But how many knows that someone that does know what's going on? We know the answer that an all-knowing God knows. But the rest of us are pretty much clueless. We really don't know. I mean, I can't even figure out which news to watch. I don't know who's lying or who's lying the most. Huh? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Amen. It's just hard to know, but I'm glad that we serve a God that is an awesome God. And nothing has caught him by surprise. As I was preparing for the message this week, I I, I just really know that more and more evidence is being presented that Jesus Christ and his righteousness is the only rock that we can build on. We can't build on government. We can't build on political parties. We can't build on agendas. But I'm glad that we can build on the solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was studying, I, I found some do's and some don'ts. Today, I want to share with you some do's and some don'ts from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know the first thing some of you are going to say, well, Pastor, you've often said that Christianity is more than do's and don'ts. How many knows that Christianity is more than do's and don'ts? It's about relationships. It's about relationships. It's more than a religion. It is a relationship. I stand by that statement. But I have a relationship with my wife, and guess what? There's some do's and some don'ts. Now, some of you laugh in the most. You know what I'm talking about because you're, hey, hey listen, there's relationships with uh, other people that there are do's and don'ts. Our nation is built on the concept of we the people. But how many knows that we the people have some do's and some don'ts? The church is the bride of Christ. That's a relationship. But to grow and prosper in that relationship, there are some do's and some don'ts. So this morning, I'd like for us to look at a few. But let me say at the very beginning, um, if there's a do, there's usually a corresponding don't. Right? Corresponding do's and don'ts. Now, each of the elements I'm going to cover this morning are worthy of an entire message, but today I will try to keep them simple and make this message eternal without being everlasting. Some of y'all get that after a while, okay? So we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the longest one section of Jesus speaking that we have recorded in the Bible, recorded in Matthew and also Luke. But I want us to look at there and we come to the understanding that the first do is to be light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You're the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The amazing thing about light, is, if I understand it correctly, is there's really no such thing as darkness. Now you say, wait a minute, I've seen dark. There's no such thing to being dark. Dark is the absence of light. Now, I want to tell you, there's been a lot of darkness in our world lately. Any of you noticed it? Could it be not so much there's a lot of darkness, but there's a lot of people not being light? I'm just asking. Because the Bible says that you are the light of the world. And if our light is shining, guess what cannot stay in that bubble of light? It's darkness. I want to tell you, we need some light to be shining in our nation. We need some light to be shining in our churches. We need some light to be shining in our homes. And you know who the light is? That's you and I. And if we are the light, then guess what? One of the don'ts is we can't be dark. Can't have both. If you have light, you will not have darkness. It's the absence of light. So if we're the light... That's the do. What is the don't? Do nothing. How many is good at that? My wife would tell you, I'm great at doing nothing. I'm an expert at it. I keep telling people that she's a workaholic, but I'm, I, I'm not afraid of work. I can sit down next to it and it don't bother me. I'm not afraid of work. But the reality is if we're going to be light, we can't live in darkness. That's a do and a don't. See, 20 times, excuse me, 26 times in the New Testament, we see the phrase, do good. 26 times, and I believe about 23 of them talks about doing good. I can't find the one that says do nothing. We're either the light, or we're either part of the solution, or we're part of the problem. This was Jesus speaking. So, we're to be light. What else did he say to do? He says to be reconciled. Now, this was really interesting. I've, uh, I've preached this passage before. I've looked at it, but I never run across this truth. I found something very interesting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, where it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you, if you get ready to go to the altar, if you're offering a sacrifice, or you're praying, seeking God, and you realize that there's aught between you and your brother. What does it say do? First, be reconciled. Reconcile to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, what I found was, was this, and some of you Bible scholars say, Pastor, I knew that a long time ago. Well, that shouldn't surprise you. I'm a slow learner. 
This is the only time in the New Testament that this word reconciled is used in this tense. It's got the same root word that's used throughout the New Testament. But this is the only time that it's used in this specific setting. That we need to understand that it means the word reconciled is used a number of times in the New Testament. But this is the only time this Greek word is used. When we, normally when we see the word reconcile, it means to be reconciled against the wrath of God. And the only way that can be done is through God. He's the only one that reconciles us with him. You cannot be reconciled by doing anything on your own. You say, well, what's this reconcile mean? See, this reconcile literally means a mutual concession. This kind of blew me away. A mutual concession. What that means is we need, if we got alt against our brother, we need to get it ironed out. Even if we have to get to a place where we agree to disagree. How many thinks that would be a good idea in our society today? Just because I disagree with you, just because you don't know who to vote for, doesn't mean that I have to hate you. Just because you and I disagree on interpretation of Scripture. What's this Scripture saying? If I'm praying and I realize, you know, Gator and I have had some harsh words. I leave my gift at the altar and I go to Gator and say, Gator, listen, what's our problem? Let's come to a mutual concession. Even if we get up there and say, I'll never agree with you. I can say, I'll agree to disagree, but let's love one another. Wouldn't that be a earth-shattering thing right now? If we could just come to a mutual concession and say, listen, let's learn to agree. And the amazing thing, when we come to a mutual concession, when we get these things ironed out, we realize our prayers will not be hindered. Now see, unforgiveness hinders our prayers. And we understand that. Now, in the very next passage, now I don't want to take this out of context, but in that same passage, you know what Jesus teaches about on the Sermon on the Mount? He talks about divorce. He talks about divorce. Many, many divorces could be ended if we could come to a mutual consent. Agree to disagree. I know it's, it's getting quiet, but let me read another scripture at Paul's writings. Let me go, you're not listening to what Jesus said. Let me see if you'll listen to what Paul says. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Anger. King James says wrath. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And give no opportunity to the devil. What's it saying? 
It's saying that if we will, if we will come to a mutual agreement and refuse to let that anger sit and seethe and simmer and simmer and develop into a cancer and destroy our relationships. If you will do this, you won't do that. So go to them. Go to them. And get it worked out. And see, then Jesus adds to these words, do not retaliate. I mean, this is all part of it. You can read it there in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, do not retaliate. Boy, how many thinks that would kind of be a pertinent thought in our society today? Well, they're against me. They're against that. Okay, that's okay. As Christians, we need to be light and not part of the darkness. We need to come to a mutual understanding and being agreeable. Even if we dislike something, even if we hate something, we can still love people with the love of the Lord. So that's the do's that we have. And again, throughout this message, you'll understand if we take care of the do's, the don'ts will take care of itself. If we do what we're supposed to do. Okay, that didn't go over very good. Let me get something else. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, that's a, that's a do, when you give to the needy, it does not say if you give, what does it say? When you give, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I said to you, they have received their reward. When you give to others, do it out of compassion and love and you won't have problems with the egos of outgiving somebody else. We, we give out of a mutual understanding and agreement. When you give, See, what is the results of the giving? Well, let's drop down to verse 4 of that chapter. It says, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, we don't give to get. That's one of the misconceptions, I believe, in, in some of our society today. There's a theology out there that the reason we give is some, so that we can get back. Now, I believe that we reap what we sow. I believe that God loves a cheerful giver. I believe that you cannot outgive God, but the reason we give is not to get, because that's the wrong conception of the Bible. We give because we want to give out of a charity and a lawful heart. We want to give, and as we do that, God says, I will reward you. I will reward you. Now, if we do that, that's the do. Drop over to the 19th verse. It says a don't. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I tell you what, I grew up in a poor country church and I kind of got the idea that if somebody was wealthy, they were sinners. That's wrong. I said, that is wrong. See, there's a difference between if we control our wealth, our wealth controls us. There's a major difference. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. 
I said, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I'd love to have some wealthy friends. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But the reality is we do not let that wealth control us. We control our wealth. And how many knows that he was not telling not to prepare for the future? In another passage, God says, anybody that does not take care of their family is worse than an infidel. In other words, we need to prepare for the future. We need to, to do things. But we're not worried about our, we're not letting our money consume us. See, the Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. And when that money controls us. So if we learn to give, when we give, give out of a generous heart, give out of love, give out of compassion, we won't worry about laying up uh, treasures on this earth because we're laying up a bigger treasure in heaven. Amen? So if we give, it does not, and actually shouldn't say if we give, when you give, God's going to reward you. He will reward you. Okay, let's go to number four. Chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray. Lee's already mentioned that Wednesday night I started a, a, a series on prayer. We're calling it the journey into prayer. Because I tell you, God really showed me something as I was studying for that series that we're doing. See, prayer is not a one-sided ordeal. Prayer is not us just telling God what we want. Prayer is us talking to God and God talking to us. It can be in worship. It can be in petitions. All kind of different prayers. But the reality is this. All the prayer is part of building a relationship. Did you catch that? We talked about Christianity. Building a relationship. And I shared Wednesday night that it's so much easier to go to a God that we know and ask for something with confidence than it is to go, go to a God that we've never really met. It says, when you pray, drop down to verse 9. When you pray, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a great prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you give others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So when you pray, when you pray, there will be some automatic results. And part of that results is not just getting your petitions answered, but getting your relationships with others taken care of. Do's and don'ts. Oh, this next one's one that nobody likes. And when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Now, let me just, just say a little bit about fasting. This Bible is quite clear. It doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. When you pray. When you give. Those are do's. The assumption is you will do it. But we're not to do it to gain attention to ourselves. 
Praying, everyone, same thing. Praying, you don't do it to get attention to yourselves. Giving is not to bring attention to yourself. Fasting is not to give attention to yourself. It's to not to disfigure ourselves, not to bring attention to ourselves. And let me have, give you some uh, uh, news flash. It's not to try to get God to see your side of the story. There's some people say, well, if I'm fast, I'm showing, I'm fasting, I'm showing God I'm serious. No, it's showing God you're hungry. But when we get sincere in fasting, guess what happens? Besides getting hungry, you begin to realize that a lot of times the problem is not somebody else. The problem is you. Uh -oh. It's not to try to get God to see your side. See, when you fast... We fight against three enemies. Let me rephrase that. We always fight against three enemies. You've got three enemies. And it's not Republican, Democrat, and Independent. You've got three enemies. The flesh, which is self. And I'm going to tell you, I had a man really get upset with me one time, and I, but I believe this to be true. The biggest enemy I have is Daryl. I said, the biggest enemy I have is me. It's me. A lot of people say, well, the devil's been on my back all day. I can tell you what my thought is on that. The devil's not omnipresent. And he's not going to mess with a little dude like me. He's going to go somewhere that's big. Now, he's got a lot of demons. He's got a lot of uh, imps. He can irritate me with. I'm going to tell you, Satan don't have time to fool with me. He's got bigger fish to fry, as my mom used to say. But I have trouble with me. I have trouble with self. We have the flesh, which is self. We have the world. And we have Satan. And normally, for me, the biggest one is self. So, where do you think fasting comes in? I get to fight my biggest enemy. Huh? Is it just me or, or am I talking to myself or are you getting this? Huh? I, I told someone between service, I felt like the first service this morning just went right over everybody's head. You know? I hope you understand what I'm saying. That, that we have a, a battles to fight. We have these situations going and it says, doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. Now, let me just ask you this. Do you think it's accidental that right after he talks about fasting, he talks about worry? I know none of you worry. Because that's one of those don'ts. The Bible said, don't worry. How do you keep from worrying? Well, do pray. Do give. Do fast. An amazing thing, God begins to give us confidence that it's not about us, it's about Him. And He begins to minister to our heart. And God begins to touch us. 
And he doesn't, we don't get God convinced to do what we want him to do. We get us convinced to do what God wants us to do. See, that's what fasting's all about, to get our attention, to, because God already knows the situation. See, when we fast, we're able to fulfill that scripture where it says, be strong in the power of his might. See, for that to happen, to be strong in the power of his might, self has to get out of the way. Self has to get out of the way. And see, that's the purpose of fasting, not to get God's attention, but ours. That brings me to the last do. It's a combination of several things there which says love your enemies. Love your enemies. How many knows that you're not going to do that in the flesh? You're not going to do it. Love your enemies and then the golden rule. Those are part of the Sermon on the Mount. See, one of the corresponding don'ts is if we love our enemies, then what are we going to do? If we love them, what are you going to do for someone? Going to pray for your enemies. That's the other do. We, we, we will pray for them, not hate them. And then not only that, is the very next chapter starts with, we says, judge not that you be not judged. See, if I love my neighbor as myself, if I love my enemies and hate, don't hate them, I'm not going to be judging them. I'm not going to be judging them because if I'm going to judge them, they have the right to judge me with the same measure. I want to tell you, every time they judge me, I come up short. Because I'm judged with the same measure. So we need to understand, Luke, Luke shares a story, same story, it goes a little bit different. Let's read it from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, part of the same story, just another apostle uh, uh, writing it. But I say unto you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, off the other also. And from uh, one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs for you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so even to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Isn't that what we want to be? The sons of the Most High? That we want to be the sons of the Most High. We want to please God. How do we do that? By not hating everybody. By loving one another. And for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. How many are glad for God's mercy? I am so thankful for God's mercy. And I want his mercy to abound. Some people say, well, his grace. We don't abuse his grace. No, we don't abuse his grace. But I'm so thankful that I serve a gracious God. I went to work one summer 
And we worked one week. And the two of us that went and got the job, we thought we were making one amount of money. And we found out that we were not making that amount of money. And so after one week, we quit. And he asked us, well, what, what's the problem? I said, he said, and now, this is going back a number of years. I said, well, we thought we were going to be making $1.75 an hour, and we're making $0.75 cents an hour. That's a long time ago. That's probably close to minimum wage. But, uh, and, and he said something about, said, well, you, we're paying you what you're worth. And both of us said, we're not going to work for what we're worth. We want what we can get. And he hired us back. Hired us back. But the amazing thing, what I've got, I'm going to tell you, I don't want what I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I want God's mercy to be extended to me. I want God's grace extended to me. And the same passage of do's and don'ts, part of that passage we, we overlooked or we omitted earlier one verse or a couple of verses where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now there's a lot of us want to seek after things, but it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added unto you so I close this morning asking you to to do this I'd like to encourage you to read that sermon on the mount a few times this week and notice the do's and the don'ts and I believe you'll agree with me if you take care of the do's the don'ts will take care of themselves. Amen. If we obedient to God, He'll let all the other things, even the one, I know none of you, I know none of this has affected any of you over the last few months, but that scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Now putting that in modern language, God's telling us, don't sweat it. How can the world can you do that? Yes, it's by faith, but how do you do it? By being obedient to serving, putting God first. And then all these other things will be added unto you. So I encourage you to read that and look at some do's and some don'ts. And some of you may be checked. Some of you may be prompted to fast. Some of you may be prompted to give. Some of you may be reminded that there's aught between you and a fellow man. Might be a relative. And you say, well, pastor, won't do any good to try to get with them. They'll never agree with me. It doesn't say they have to agree with you. Come to a mutual understanding. Come to a mutual agreement. And man... Wouldn't it be great if we could just get those three chapters and print it upon our society today? And we could live 
by the words of Jesus. Some do's and some don'ts. From the Sermon on the Mount. Father, for some of us this is difficult teaching. And for some of us, there's some here probably that's been doing everything we said and they're doing fine. But some are worrying. Some are arguing. Some have bitterness and anger and it's taking root in their lives. And we can't take care of the don'ts because we're not doing the the do's. So Father, we ask you to help us today. We ask you to help us today to hear your voice that speaks to each one of us at our level of understanding and our point of need. Every one of us is different. Some of us have different issues. And so, Father, we submit to you today and ask you, Lord, just to search our heart, search our lives, and help us to take care of the do's, and you'll give us victory over the don'ts. God, minister in us and to us and through us is our prayer and our desire. We give you praise. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.